Amen. You know, another blessing, I didn't mention this before, I'm going to say, say it now because you need to be praying for them because I think they're already there, but uh, Shelly, Glory Reigns, has sponsored six kids, teenagers, to go to uh, Miracle Mountain Camp, and they are there or on their way there right now. So just an awesome opportunity for those kids, I think four of which out of the six are not Christians. They haven't accepted Christ. So be praying. If you are about to eat or you're about to go to bed, stop for a minute. Hopefully you pray before you close your eyes and sleep or you get up in the morning and you take a moment, have your devotions. Would you pray specifically? You may not know these kids by name, but at least pray that God will work in those six kids' lives during camp this week. Uh, I want to hear a great report when they get back about kids giving their life to Christ. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we read one of the greatest stories of an underdog. And uh, the story of David and Goliath, and it's one of my favorite stories. Of course, i got a lot of favorite stories, but this story right here is one of my favorites because it is a classic underdog story. Everybody loves a good underdog story. Yep. You love those kind of movies. We enjoy that. It's one of those things that we just thrive on. And there's something heartwarming about seeing someone overcome tremendous adversity against all odds and, and then in the end proving to the doubters that you can and you will and you did win. You know, that's a great underdog story. You know, I, I love Rocky. I love the trilogy of Rocky. If you don't, you're not an American and you should probably just move to Canada. I love Rocky in the trilogy because it's a small time Philadelphia boy that's learning to box and he steps in a ring against the heavyweight champion of the world, right? right? And he goes against all odds. And I love it because he is not just trying to uh, have a, an identity as a boxer, but he wanted to prove to those in his community that the underdog can win. Yeah, I love it. All of the Rockies are my favorite. I can't, I, I, let me take that back. Rocky three. Rocky III stands out above all. I, 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 like, I like me personally to win. I want to win. Everybody wants to be a winner. But I love to win again and again and again. And the reason I like Rocky III is because he goes up against Mr. T. Y'all remember this? Yeah, yeah. yeah? Come on now. He's up against Mr. T, and it just doesn't look good. And he's, and he's putting everything into it. And he looks like he's giving up because he's letting Mr. T take him down. But the reality is he's wearing Mr. T down. With every punch Mr. T gives, he's enduring it because the underdog's about to defeat Mr. T. And I love Mr. T. But the best part of Rocky III is not that he won, but that he won again and again and again because it's Rocky III. And in Rocky I, he won. In Rocky II, he won. In Rocky III, he won. And then you go to Rocky IV, guess what? He won. In Rocky V, he won. And then we got a whole new trilogy of Creed. And it's a continuation of Rocky. Hmm. What's the point? The point is simply this. We want to win again and again and again. It's one thing to see Rocky do it again. But it's a whole new ball game when you see the Lord do it again. And man, when God shows up and he does what he did before in your life, there's a move from God. You have a God moment all over again. That's what I'm talking about. 
Lord, do it again. I'm talking about a win from God. I'm talking about, one of my friends used to call it a God moment. I'm talking about a moving of God. In order for the Lord to do it again, I believe there's some things that have to take place. The moving of God is not by chance. It's not. Now, I believe this, and you believe this. He moves as He pleases, but He also moves when need be. If I call on God, I know He'll make a move for me if it's within His will. The moving of God is not by chance. It's divine. Stop for a minute. I want you to stop for a minute right where you're at in your seat and, and think, what area in your life, what area in your life right now needs a win from God? I mean, you are in desperate need in this specific area for a, for a win from God. In a way, maybe you experienced 10 years ago, five years ago, five months ago. What is it right now in your life that you can think of in your seat that you're in need of a divine win from God? Now watch. David, the underdog, needed a win against Goliath. Not just any man. We're talking about a man's man that stood nearly 10 feet tall, weighed over 500 pounds, big boy. He needed a win again against this man named Goliath. David's story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and it takes place just after his father Jesse made a decision to send David to his brothers. He had multiple brothers, all serving in the Israelite army. And David was one that stayed behind because he was so young and he was tending to the sheep. So his dad says, David, I need you to go see your brothers. I need you to bring some snackage to them, some Doritos, some chips, maybe some deli sandwiches. Go to the captain of the army, feed him too. We want to take care of the boys. So David gets on his pony. He rides out. He arrives. His brothers are there. No battle is taking place. And he gets in a conversation with his brothers as they're snacking and his brother's friends. And in the midst of the conversation, he hears this voice, this grand voice in the midst of the valley. And it's Goliath. And Goliath is challenging the Israelite army to stand against him. Not only that, he's defiling the God of the Israelites. He's cursing them, and he's cursing God. And David says, why... Why is this happening? Why isn't somebody doing something? And his brothers said, whoa, whoa. Hold on, buddy. You have no idea about warfare. You need to get on your pony and head back to daddy. And he said, whoa, 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 wait. And he looks at his friends, the friends of the brothers, and says, what, what, do you not see where I'm coming from? And they're like, ah, you need to listen to your brothers. Finally, he makes a statement because he's so frustrated. He's so tore up. And it's a statement that has been repeated and quoted throughout history. He says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a purpose? There's not a reason that we should not stand up against this man. He's cursing. He's defiling the God of Israel. Man, we got to do something about this. And the word starts to buzz. And it gets back to King Saul. And Saul has no idea this is just a little dude. So Saul says, bring this guy to me. And before Saul calls for him, David looks at the guys and says, listen, what happens if we defeat this guy? They're like, well, you've got to get riches. 
You're even going to get King Saul's daughter. Come on now. She's a hottie. You're going to get some stuff. And David's not thinking about that. David's just thinking about the victory. And so he stands before Saul in this grand tent. And when he stands before Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 17, in verse 31, David declares to Saul that something needs to be done, and I'm the man to do it. But he goes a little further and he says, listen, don't let your, your people, your soldiers, get discouraged. Now, I'm paraphrasing. I love the way he says it. He says, let no man's heart fail because of him being the Philistine. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul's like, you're just a kid. And this guy has been fighting since he was a kid. And he ain't no kid. You ain't got a chance. And I love David's confidence. He, he declares, I'm not only going to defeat him, but I'm going to defeat the whole army through the defeat of this man named Goliath. Now, he reflects on some things before he even claims this. And I love the confidence. I call it spiritual confidence. The spiritual confidence that David had. And my question is, David, how did you have so much spiritual confidence that God would do it again? The same way God did some things in your past when you were even younger than this point in your life. How did you know? How could you be so confident? I don't believe it was arrogance, by the way. I believe it was spiritual confidence in God. And here's the answer. We expect God to show up and do it again. And when we do, we have to do it God's way. And I believe David did that. He did it in two ways. We must never forget and we must always expect now focus with me. These are two simplistic ways to look at this story. And they're very important to, I believe, if you want to call it the recipe of God doing his work again. Now watch. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, the Bible says in verse 34, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear, and I took and he took my, the lamb out of the flock. And watch him, verse 35. And he said, I went after him. And I took it back. And I not only took it back, but I, I, I slew the lion. For a matter of fact, when I took it back, it roared against me. And I took him by the beard and I slew him. I didn't just do it to him, but I did it to a bear as well. In the same way I took down the bear and I took down the lion, I'm going to take down the uncircumcised Philistine. And I'm going to do it exactly the same way because this is the reason God did it through me. In order for God to do it again, there, there's got to be two very important things. We're never to forget our victories and we never forget our blessings. Blessings are the benefits from God Victories are our wins through God. Now, let me say that again. Blessings are the benefits from God. Victories are our wins through God. I benefit a lot of blessings by serving God. But I also won a lot of battles through God. Listen to this. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me. Watch that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. The Lord that delivered me. 
What was impossible became possible because the battle David faced was won by the Lord. What battle right now is raging in your life? What is it? What are you facing? What is the battle you're facing right now? And my question is, are you facing it alone? Are you fighting it alone? David did not win his past battles on his own. He said, the Lord delivered me. He, he didn't do it back then alone. He did it through the empowering of God. Now watch this. If you're looking for deliverance, victory over the giants in your life, then you got to be willing not to do it alone. David said, then I didn't do it alone, and now I can't do it alone. I like looking back to the Old Testament and these incredible victories that God gave his people. In Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 4, God promised Moses that he would go with the army. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you and against your enemies to save you. You say, well, that was then, this is now. Let me explain. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Still today, our victories are won through Jesus Christ. Now I want to bring this all together and make a lot more sense, okay? Let me get more personal with this. In order for God to do some things again in our life, we never forget our victories. And we realize that the victories then and the victories now are only through Jesus Christ. But in order for that to happen, there's some things you have to realize. I've told you this story, but I didn't tell you the fullness of the story. When I was in college, I went through a lot of obstacles, a lot of challenges physically, just mentally, emotionally. My fourth year of college in East Tennessee, I was just about to graduate. I gave this story before, but I didn't give you the whole, the whole story. Let me explain. I was just about to graduate, and I was so discouraged. I was so frustrated, and I was facing some giants of my own, right? One of the giants was discouragement. My other giant was the lack of trust in God. And where the campus was, I drove up to the top of that mountain, and I had to have a moment just alone. I wanted to get away from the guys in the dorm. I wanted to get away from my job. I wanted to get away from everything that could distract me and just talk with God, right? It was my God moment. While I was on top of that mountain, I realized a couple of things came into my mind. I realized that I was about to graduate from college and I was frustrated because I was still driving a piece of junk. I realized that I had no girlfriend and I was almost 23 years old. That wasn't promising. I realized at that moment that I didn't have a position in ministry available to me. And I'm about to graduate. I'm about to turn 23. I might have already been 23. And I was frustrated. And these giants were all around me in my mind. You ever had giants in your mind that are constantly beating you over the head? And I'm thinking to myself, why? Why, God? I have committed myself to you, and one day if I get married, if you allow me to get married and allow me to have kids, I'm going to commit them to you too. Why don't you just give me a chance? Why? Now, I'm going to get to the Lord do it again in just a minute, but watch. Here I am. I, I think I got a picture. I went there not too long ago. I was driving through Tennessee. Here I was right here on the street, and I was looking out. This is, this is actually a road that goes up the side of the mountain. My dorm was literally over here. And I remember it was dark out at that time, and I'm looking out, and I'm thinking to myself, where are you? Where are you? And then I got real emotional. I just started crying. 
yeah, I did this. I yelled at God. I said, you, you are supposed to be my God. And then it hit me in the still of the night. And all I could hear is crickets, right? My car didn't even have AC, so I had the windows down. And it was like God said to me, you remember when you were 19 years old? You were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And the doctor said you only have maybe a 30% chance of your eyes going back to normal because you had double vision. Remember that morning you woke up and looked in the mirror and your eyes were back to normal? I did that. That's called victory. You didn't do that. Doctor didn't do that. The steroids you were on, they may have helped, but I did that. Yeah, I remember that, God. You remember your second year of college? For whatever reason, you sold your car because you needed money to go back to college, and then you realized you didn't have a car to go to college? Remember that? Remember you yelled at me then? You're laying in your bed, and you said, God, where are you? I need a car. And then I laid on the heart of somebody you met one time, and you mentioned to this guy that didn't even know you that you needed a car. And then he called you out of nowhere. He got your phone number from somebody that you knew and called you and said, God, me, laid on his heart to give you his car, to sell it for dirt cheap. You remember that? And I'm thinking, yeah, I remember that. Remember when you went to his house and you said, I, I got 800 bucks, that's all I got. And he met with his wife and he came out and said, I can't sell it to you for 800. God told me to sell it for 500. That way you have a car and you have extra money. All I need is a ride because I just sold you my car. And he needed to borrow his brother's car. I did that. God said, I did that. Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. I remember. And then, at that moment, I started reflecting and remembering the victories that came all through those four years of college. That does it. And at that moment, let me say this. At that moment, I realized there was something very important that had to take place for God to do it again, for God to show up again, for God to make a move again. I had to give up. And when I gave up, that's when God showed up. You say, I don't understand. I literally said in my car, okay. Okay. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to let you do this, right? You do your thing, God. I believe you can do it again. You know how confident I was? when I was 19 years old and the doctor said, you'll never be able to see clearly again. I looked at, I, I went through depression over that, right? I did. I, I had a hard time thinking I'll never drive again. I was a kid and something hit me. This is spiritual confidence. I said, I don't care what the doctor says, mom. I will see again and I'll get 100% of my eyesight back. I believe God. That moment changed my life, but that was a past victory. I never forgot. And in that moment in my car, I had to let go and say, God, the only way this battle in my life is going to be won and beat these giants of discouragement in my mind is just to let you take the lead. You have to do this. And I gave up. That doesn't mean we stop altogether. No, faith without works is dead. As we work, he works. And, and, and our faith increases along the way. Why? Because we see God winning again and again and again. David remembered his victories over the lion. David remembered his victory over the bear. And these victories reminded him that God's power 
His faithfulness is still true to him that day. He just said, I've got to give it to God. I believe in order for God to do it again in your life, you never forget your victories. It's an empowerment. We should always remember our victories, both big and small. You say they're small. It doesn't matter. Big and small. When we remember our victories, we're more likely to trust God. We're more likely to trust God to do it again because we've seen him do it before. And we step back and say, God, you're in control of my family. You're in control of my finances. You're in control of my mind. You're in control of all things because you're the creator God. And I'm going to try my best. I'm going to let go of my thinking and my way of living and let you take the lead. Now watch. When I did that, everything changed. When David did that, everything changed. Now watch, it wasn't just the victories, it was the blessings. Never forget your victories. But he, in verse, uh, verse uh, 37 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, he said, I was delivered out of the paw of the lion and on the paw of the bear. He, just, he didn't just recall one blessing. He recalled and counted each blessing. He said, I not only killed the lion and the bear, which is victory, but I also didn't die. This isn't a miraculous move of God. What a, what a blessing. It's easy to overlook blessings when you're facing trials. Now, focus and pay attention for a minute here because some of you are facing trials right now in your life. And they may not be big ones. Maybe they're small ones. Maybe they're mind uh, giants. And, and, and you're feeling defeated and you feel overwhelmed. But let me make sure you understand this. No matter how stressed you are, remember how you have to remember how blessed you are. There's a reason why the old hymn says, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and soon it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings. So last time I got discouraged and I was driving and I was complaining about something absolutely ridiculous. I stopped and I started to think about the blessings of God and I started thinking about the victories of God and I thought, man, God is good because I have an incurable disease, but yet I'm still okay. My kids are okay. My, my wife is okay. My, I got a home and I got a truck. I even, even almost thank God for my dogs. That's going out on a limb. I have blessings. And the more I thank God for the, the blessings in my life, the real, I begin to realize that my blessings are bigger than my giants. And I'm able, I'm able to see God do some things in my life because I accepted the fact that in the past I was victorious. In the past I've received blessings. And that is the fuel to win the war. I don't know what you're fueling yourself with, but if you're not looking and focusing on the blessings, you're missing it. Never forget your victories and never forget the blessings. Now watch, you always need to expect. What does that mean? According to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37, David says this, He will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines. And Saul said it to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. That's really unique for a king at this place in history to say to a boy, you are the one that's going to bring the victory for the whole army of Israel. We go from memory to expectancy. We're remembering and now we're expecting. These two are crucial for the Lord to do it again. David not only knew what God could do, he expected God to do it again. The problem is, is we don't expect things from God. We just don't. 
We get comfortable with where we're at and, we're, and we would rather say, woe is me, I'll never be able to do A, B, and C. Joe, you don't know this, I took a picture of you while you were in your walker washing the outside of Fellowship Baptist Church's buses, right? Y'all hearing me? I, because it had such a big impression on me. You know why it did? Because I realized this guy was determined. Regardless of his circumstances, regardless of his physical problems, I'm going to keep on keeping on. And I know God. I expect God to keep working in my life if I can move through my problems. The problem is, is we don't expect God to do big things in our life. We just quit. We'd rather say, what was me and not do anything for God? My question for you is why? Why? Why shouldn't we expect God to show up? If we're doing the work of God and the will of God, then we should expect the move of God. There's no reason why you say that's disrespectful to God. No, it's not. He wants us respectfully to challenge him to say, God, will you? Can you? Yes, I need you. And I believe that we have gotten comfortable with just being average Christians. If you want God to do it again, you better expect God to do it. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 17, in verse 45, David said to the Philistine, to his face, I know that God's going to do it. Now watch this. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of, of the armies of Israel, who thou hast defiled. And then he breaks it down for him. This day, this day, will the Lord, watch this, will the Lord, now, God is using him, but he said, my God will do this. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hands. Here it is again. And I will smite thee and take thy head from thee. I love this. So direct. And I will give the carcass, your carcass, the host of the Philistines, this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth. I'm not only going to kill you, I'm going to feed you to the birds. I will this day. This is what I will do. And I'm going to do it because God is going to do it through me. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He's going to do it again. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth, not with a sword, not with a spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And here it is again. And he will give you into my hands. Y'all watching that? Yes, sir. Always expect God to do it. You want God to do it again? Expect God to do it again. Don't tell me, oh, I, God ain't ever working in my life. It's because you don't expect him to work in your life. Right. And by the way, you've got to be a warrior. David doesn't stand out there and strum his fingers and play with his hands and play with his, the, the rocks in the bag that he thought well, might be able to get it done. No, he expected God to use the rock to sink in the forehead of the giant and take him down. David expected it. We should always expect God to make a move. We should always, and then let me say this, and we should also expect God to move in our lives. And when we expect God to move, we're more likely to see him in our lives in a way we've never seen him before. Now watch, I don't want just God to do it. I want God to finish it. David didn't go out there, take down the giant, and say, well, got it done. No, he went a little further than that. According to Scripture, the Bible says that when the, so the stone flew through the air and sunk in the forehead of the giant, and the giant fell on his face, the Bible says in verse 51 that he took the sword and cut off his head. He finished the job. He wanted to declare, I ain't going to just walk away with a stone in his head. I'm going to make sure he's dead. Let me tell you something. 
when I expect God to make a move, and when I expect God to do it again, I not only expect God to do it, but I expect God to finish it. So in other words, when I reflect back on what God did in my past, my blessings, my victories, I know he's going to do it again, either the same or better. He's not going to do a halfway job. I want to believe that God, the way he gave us the library to use for this period of time, is going to give us a building for another season. Right. Do it again, Lord. I want to believe the same way God worked in my life and brought a wonderful woman in my life. He's going to do the same for my son. I want to believe and I want to expect God to do the same for my daughter to meet a man that's going to love God. I want to expect from God, I want to expect from God that he'll do it again in my life the way he did it in my life. He's going to do it for my son, for my daughter, and he's going to do amazing things for my wife. You know why? Because I should expect God to do these things. And I want him to finish it. I don't want a halfway job. I want to go all the way for God. And when we make that move and make that decision, I believe that God will do it again. Now, some of you are focused and some of you are not. And I need the ones that are still with me to focus on this last point. Now, watch this. Call it conclusion. If you are facing a giant in your life, no matter what it is, if it's finances, it's your marriage, it's, it, it's something personal in your mind, I want you to understand that God can overcome that, defeat it, and win the war, and do it again in your life. But it only happens if you never forget Reflect on the victories, reflect on your blessings, always expect God to do it and God to finish it. I believe if you do not have those things in your life and established, then you are doing it on your own. Because I had to get to that point and realize when I was in high school, when I was in college as a married man, that I cannot do it. But I know who can do it. Because I saw what he did then. And it may not have been a lion and it wasn't a bear, but it was some big things in my life and I know he can do it again. So when I look at my, my, my nephew and I think about the fact that he's, he's battling cancer, I have to think, I have to believe, I have to expect God to do it again the way he's done it in other people's lives. I have to believe that God can do big things. I have to believe that I am going to be able to pastor one day with some people and, and, and we're going to move forward in a building, whether that be a big building, a small building, but it will be a building and it ain't going to have probably books in it except the word of God. I believe that God can make that move. I believe God can move the same way he moved in our sending church 58 years ago when they started with nothing and they were inside of a school in the gymnasium and then they bought some land and they built a little building and then they added on and added on and today God's blessing. Why? Because if he did it then, he can do it again. Right. So stop sucking your thumb and acting like you can't get out of your rut because you can. You just ain't expecting God to do it because you're so hung up on all the things that are going wrong. You forgot about the blessings that went right. You forgot about the victories. You forgot about the battles that you won. You say, I can't get over this anxiety. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You just focus on it too much. I'm saying you've got to take your medicine if you got to take medicine, but you don't stop with the medicine because it ain't the medicine that brings deliverance. It's God that created you that's going to work through you and help you on top of whatever you're taking. God is a wise God. He knows exactly what you need when you need it. Problem is we don't trust him with it. Y'all following me? Man, I just got to start believing this. Are you going to believe with me? Don't you tell me you can't see your family do good things and great things for God because he can. You just got to let him take the lead. Don't be the one getting in the way. And I'm going to tell you, David's victory over Goliath is a reminder that God can do it again for us in our lives today. 
even though that happened well over 2,000 years ago. In order to see God do it again, we must never forget our victories, our blessings, and we must always expect God to move. I'm just going to stop. I don't know what the future holds for your family. I don't even know what the future holds for my family or this church. I would like to think when I turn 65, I'm going to have a cabin in East Tennessee with my own pond, and I can go fishing every day, and hopefully my kids get married and have grandkids, and I'll have grandkids. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if my daughter's going to be in jail. Most likely that's probably going to happen. <laughs> but I'm going to expect some things from God, and I'm going to work my best as a warrior of Jesus Christ, because if he did it then, he'll do it again. What right now... With your heads bowed and eyes closed out of the respect for those around you, you say, well, this is more like a life group. Well, treat it like a life group. Respect those next to you. Let's just have a moment of prayer. I want to ask you this. What is it right now that you want God to do again in your life? I'm going to be honest. This is mine. Here it is. You ready? Two things. I'm going to tell you what mine are. God did a miraculous work in my life when I was a kid. I was 19. Just turned 20. I had MS. I know I harp on this, but it's a big thing to me. I believe God can do it again for Logan, my nephew who's suffering with cancer. I believe he could do it again. Not only that, I remember when I was across the street and I looked at this building. I had no idea what it was, and then I found out it was a library. And I walked in, and we were desperate for a building. We weren't even, we weren't even started, and God opened the door. And we've been in this building, and we're booked almost two, a total of two years we'll be in this building by the time we reach uh, the end of this year. It's, it's getting close. We're the only ones that have used these facilities right here on Sunday afternoon outside of the Girl Scouts who beat us to it in one room. You know why? Because God knew what we needed. Do it again. So I ask God, do that again. If you could do it here, you could do it somewhere around here, a building. Do it again. In just a minute, Victor is going to sing. And I'm just going to ask you, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, to listen to the words as he sings. I want you to think of your little boy. I want you to think of your little girl. I want you to think of your husband. I want you to think of your wife. I want, to th I want you to focus on your circumstances. Is your job situation unstable? Is your relationship not well? These are giants. You've seen him do some big things in your life before. I think he'll do it again if you just give him a chance. Do it again. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as he begins to sing, I want you just to ask, are you fully trusting God to do it again?